today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. began a good work in you will complete it against that day he has promised that he's made the down payment and beloved that's why even when we're unfaithful even when we go on a three-year journey or however long your journey might be God remains faithful why because he cannot deny himself the Spirit of God that he places within the hearts and lives of every believer now beloved that's not that's not words as an excuse to just go out and sin, live any way that we want to. Those are words of encouragement in times of failure. Words of encouragement in times of stumbling. You can know for sure that God will complete a good work in you because Jesus has already made a down payment on your life. There is nothing that you can do to redeem yourself. Let Pastor David's message be an encouragement for when you stumble or fail. You don't have to do it all on your own because Jesus has already paid the penalty for your sin. You only need to come to Him asking for forgiveness. Your salvation lies in what Jesus did on the cross and not on your own actions. Now here's Pastor David in the books of 1 and 2 Chronicles as he continues his message, A Second Viewpoint. down in chapter 22, verse 8, as David is speaking to Solomon. He says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you. You shall be, who, who shall be a man of rest? And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son. I will be his father. I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. David repeating what Nathan had told him earlier on. Now, the balance of the book, 1 Chronicles, that declares pretty much some of the the spiritual work, the the division of the priests, the, the, the worshipers, where they were to be and what they were to do, the gatekeepers, their responsibilities, who was going to take care of the treasuries of the temple, as well as also speaking of some of the military and some of the tribal divisions throughout the land. As David continues on to age, he becomes less able to lead the country. Solomon, his son, had been Uh, anointed, placed uh, as king, and David gives him the plans. He gives him the instructions for the temple, and the people are then called to support the work, and Solomon takes his rightful and his promised place as king of Israel. Then we move into uh, 2 Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles, we see Solomon asking God for wisdom. You remember that great prayer. He wanted wisdom above all things. We read it back in 1 Kings. 
and the Lord granted that wish, that wish for wisdom. But remember, God also granted him great, great riches and, and, and influence within the world. As king of Israel, Solomon begins showing and taking power over all of the land. He now has the opportunity to begin building the temple because they're not fighting all of these people. Remember, his dad pretty well cleaned things up and quieted things down. Now Solomon can focus on the building of the temple. They can furnish it then. They can bring the ark into, uh, it's now it's permanent, it's, it's home base. The Holy of Holies there in the temple. The worship after they build the temple is absolutely magnificent as they come to dedicate the temple. Look over in chapter five. In chapter five, down in verse 13, we read, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music. And they praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. What an awesome, amazing time that had to be. That had to be the thing that old men years later would say, man, I remember that day. I remember that day. You could have been a child at that point in time and you could say, I remember that day how the glory of God just filled that temple. It was heaven on earth because heaven came down that day. Well, Solomon followed up all of this with words of encouragement and and words of challenge to the people, his prayer of dedication, all of the sacrifices that were offered up to the Lord. Look in uh, chapter seven, and beginning in verse one, we read, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord once again filled the temple. And again, the priest couldn't even enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Remember that phrase, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. File that in the back of your head. We're going to look at it a little bit later. Verse 4, he goes on, goes on to say, Then the king and all the people offered more sacrifices before the Lord. King Solomon offered a, offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. That was some dedication service. By the way, that was some big barbecue too. Because with that dedication, the people were able to share of that, man. So don't forget, many of these, many of these sacrifices that they would burn, they, they shared with that meal together. So a, a lot of Solomon's achievements, they kind of fill up the next couple of chapters. Then at the end of chapter nine, 
Solomon passes away. His son Rehoboam then takes the throne. And as we looked at 1 Kings just a couple of weeks ago, we found that as wise as Solomon was, his son Rehoboam was that much of a fool. And he had fools for counselors too. And in chapter 10, we find how because of Rehoboam's actions and his harsh treatment against the people, the nation becomes divided and the northern kingdom now separates from Judah and the half tribe of, or a portion of the tribe of Benjamin. They go on their own as the northern kingdom led by Jeroboam. In chapter 12, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, he turns completely away from God and he began setting a pattern for these succeeding kings of Judah for the southern kingdom. Now, as we shared when we were going through the kings, Judah had good kings. Uh, well, let me put it this way. Judah had really bad kings, bad kings, not so bad kings, and sort of good kings. Uh, they never had a fully righteous king, uh, maybe Josiah, but, but at least they had a help. In the northern kingdom, they were all bad, all of them bad. Well, as Rehoboam kind of sets that pattern, look at these things. We see the pattern and the history of rebellion and then a history of revival. Rebellion, revival, rebellion, revival. As these good and sort of good kings and bad kings come, funny how we never do learn from history, do we? When our nation is in a point of revival, God's blessings come upon us. When we get so self-focused and begin to reject God, suddenly God's hand of blessing is removed from us. But we don't learn from that because we still want to do our own thing. Well, throughout Judah's history, the Lord does raise up some godly kings. There's still issues, but these guys, again, they make some changes. Asa was, is one of them. In chapters 13 through 15, he gives us a good report of Asa's reign. He sought the Lord. He tore down the high places. He tore down the altars to these pagan idols. And Judah then gained strength, and for 10 years they have peace. And then the Ethiopians, they come, and they come against the southern kingdom, against Judah. And Asa cries out to the Lord, and the Lord gives Judah victory and a whole lot of the spoil. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 14. Look down in verse 11. Chapter 14, verse 11. The Ethiopians are coming against them. And verse 11, and Asa cries out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it's nothing for you to help, rather with many or with those who have no power. Now, beloved, that ought to be one of your memory verses right there. That ought to be the declaration and understanding of each one of our lives. It's nothing for God, rather there be few, rather there be many. But he cries out, help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. Oh, Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against whom? You. He didn't say, don't let man prevail against us. He said, Lord, we're trusting in you. Don't let man prevail against you. I love that attitude. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Verse 13, and Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to, to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army. And they carried away very much spoil. 
Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar. For the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for that there was exceedingly much spoil in them. They also attacked the livestock enclosures, and they carried off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. The Ethiopians were coming at them. They knew that there was a whole lot of them, and there weren't a whole lot of us, but yet they said, God, this is your battle. We want you to fight this battle for us. Not only did God defeat the enemy, but God blessed them in abundance beyond that. These are the times when you wish the story ended right there. Asa, die right there. Just go on to glory at that point in time. But that's not what happened. Later on, Asa and Judah were attacked by King Basha of Israel from the northern kingdom. And instead of seeking the Lord's help, he sought the help of Syria. And Syria was a repetitive enemy of both Israel and Judah, but he made this bargain with them. They did get the victory over Israel. They got the victory over King Basha, but Asa, King Asa of Judah, was then rebuked by the prophet Hanani. Hanani came to Asa in in chapter 16. Look down in verse eight. And this is a great understanding. This is a great lesson for all of us to learn. Chapter 16, verse 8, the prophet Hananiah speaking to King Asa. He said, were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Asa, in this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. The spiritual connection with that for every one of us is huge. How often do we seek the methods of the world for the battles that we're fighting when we've seen God so many times show himself strong on our behalf? And because we fail to seek the Lord, more and more battles come our way. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. That's the promise of the word of God. And you would think at this point that here, Asa, like David, when when Nathan pointed his finger in David's face and David repented of his sin, with Bathsheba, and they, you would think that Asa would have that same understanding. This is a godly guy who sought the Lord, but that's not what happened. As a matter of fact, look down in verse 12. Asa didn't repent. He actually had put Hanani in prison. That's in the earlier verses. And then in verse 12, and in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. And yet even in his disease, he didn't seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa rested with his fathers, and he died in his 41st year of his reign. Great beginning, sad end. We see this actually in the case of several of the kings. Next came Jehoshaphat, who was the son of Asa. And you've got to listen really quick now. 
He was a good king. And as a matter of fact, he was one of the best during that time frame in Judah's history. And he brings about this great reform to Judah. And he has victories over all of his neighboring enemies. They were surrounded at one time by the armies of Ammon and Moab. And it seemed to be an impossible situation. And yet Jehoshaphat called for a prayer meeting in Second Chronicles chapter 20, down in verse 4. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Now, he's not doubting God. He's just declaring the reality. He goes on in verse seven. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Then down in verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came came upon Jehaziel, a Levite, one of of the priests, one one of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. He could have been one of the worship team members because again, he was one of the sons of Asaph. Asaph was like the main worship leader. So the spirit of God came upon him in the midst of the assembly. And in verse 15, and he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Down in verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Down in verse 20. So they rose early in the morning. They went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and they were singing Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. The very same declaration that we looked at, praise the Lord, his mercy endures forever. The reality and the truth that God does not change, folks. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if his mercy was in the past, his mercy is now. If his grace was in the past, his grace works now. If his forgiveness was in the past, his forgiveness is now. If his spirit works and moves among those that love him, his spirit works and moves among those who love him now. Verse 22, now when they began, and I love this too, he sent the worship team out first, okay. Uh, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, uh, the, I'm, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against uh, Judah and they were defeated. Verse 24, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth and no one escaped. As a summary of First and Second Chronicles, I think the story of Jehoshaphat, the story of Asa and some of these others, they give us, I think, the 
importance, the foundation, the very truths that really are the foundation of the history of Judah that's so important to each one of us as individuals, as families, and even as a church. Beloved, our God is able, period, period. Our God is victorious over every enemy, period. That is who he is. That's why the word of God says that we are more than conquerors through him. Love it that we don't need to live defeated against the attack of the enemies in our lives. Throughout the rest of the history of Judah, we see them, they make multiple mistakes. They turn from the Lord time and time again until it's finally time for the woodshed. And God puts them in exile. Some of you that are too young to understand what a woodshed is, talk to any of us that are over 40. We understand exactly what that is. Yet even in his punishment, God shows mercy. Even in his judgment against Israel, he remembers his covenant with them, his promise with them. Their punishment was for a season, and then he brings them back home. Guys, I think it's good for us to remember as we close this out, to remember the words that Paul spoke to Timothy in 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11, 12, and 13. This is a faithful saying, Paul says. For if we died with him, in other words, I've died to myself. He says, then we also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And there's a lot I can say on that, but tie that in in the context of what he says next. And you understand, no, he's not rejecting and throwing you out. In verse 13, he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And that's why the word of God says that when we come to him as his children, when we by faith receive Jesus Christ and he gives to us his Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit is his seal in our life. It's the down payment. He who began a good work in you will complete it against that day. He has promised that. He's made the down payment. And beloved, that's why even when we're unfaithful, even when we go on a three-year journey or however long your journey might be, God remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself the spirit of God that he places within the hearts and lives of every believer. Now, beloved, that's not, that's not words as an excuse to just go out and sin, live any way that we want to. Those are words of encouragement in times of failure. Words of encouragement in times of stumbling. And as we look at all these kings of Israel, whenever they repented of their sins, God was quick to forgive them and restore the nation. Throughout the books of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, we see the failures of man mixed with the promises of God. We see the rebellion of man mixed with the covenant of God. We see sin brought into punishment, but repentance brings about forgiveness and life. And to borrow the words from Neil Diamond. Well, except for the names and a few other changes, if you're talking about us, the story's the same one. 
As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you too, and I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, and you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.